Hey everybody, welcome to the Rado Report, or as might also be known, episode four of the Rado Recap Show here on the Rado Talks Through Podcast. Here's the deal, folks. This is going to be the fourth time I have taken excerpts from my weekly Rado Recap Show and repackaged them into an audio file for you folks uh, here on iTunes or Spotify or wherever it is you might be listening to this every week. I do my recap show where I talk about videos on my channel, videos on other channels, and new games I've discovered. This is just me pulling all those new games I've discovered because I figure you can't see the videos I'm talking about, but you can at least hear the games I'm talking about and maybe get a little excited like I am for all of them. Now, this is actually uh, compiling the last four Rotto Recaps episode, so we're going to be talking about a ton of games here. And in between the individual excerpts, there's going to be this weird transition, right? When uh, I'm just going to go from one list immediately into another. But the important thing, folks, is that you're going to hear about a whole bunch of new games, all of which you can read more about on Board Game Geek. Okay, sound good? Then uh, let's get going. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So without further ado, let's get going with number eight, West Story, a town building game. Now, I don't really know the designer. I don't really know the publisher. It is a game set in the American West. It is city building. Uh, there's some pictures of the prototype. It looks it looks nice. It's hard to say. You know, it is very prototypey. These pictures, fair enough. But what intrigued me about this was a quick little throwaway line. Um, While all actions from the player boards uh, eventually get executed, the order of execution is not easy to predict. You'll have to place cards carefully and try to maximize their chances. I don't know what that means, but I am very, very intrigued. Uh, you know, some idea that there's some outward force that's saying, what do I actually get to do from turn to turn? And I have to set things up with my and hedge my bets as for, oh, is this actually going to happen now? Then I better be ready for it. Is this driven by an event system? Is this driven by player choice? I don't know. But that was a very... Uh, way to go, publisher. I mean, even with just one paragraph, you dropped enough to get me in. Sometimes, a par- you know, Know, uh, publishers write you know, up half a dozen paragraphs and say nothing of interest, but with just that one sentence, West Story, a town building game, really has me intrigued and I want to learn more. Number seven on the list is Moving Day. Unfortunately, uh, there's no real um, visuals I can show you here. The designer's interesting. Mads Flow, I very much enjoyed his, what was it? Oh, Shake That City. I thought that was very cool. But what really gets me intrigued by this, again, is a well-written description that does a good job setting the stage, but also 
clues me into the fact that, as near as I can tell, this is an entwined drafting game. You know, like Cascadia, um, you know, which is, you know, entwined drafting is fast becoming my favorite mechanism of all time, and I love how it seems to be uh, done here. We are trying to help friends move. We've got, everybody has their own truck they're trying to load. You want to get the heavy stuff, the heavy boxes on the bottom, because if they're on the top, they'll crush the smaller boxes. And every turn, you are going to have to draft a set of boxes of different sizes and weights, and people capable, uh, friends, capable of loading those into the trucks. And that sounds really cool. It sounds, it just sounds fun. And entwined drafting is always excellent. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Mads and um, uh, Paintnik uh, come up with there. Right, number six is Newsboys. The latest from Sashi and Sashi. Sashi and Sashi always knock it out of the park with really interesting, quirky takes on interesting and quirky subject matter. And this one is about uh, turn-of-the-century newsboys running around Manhattan trying to make a living in what looks like a very fun and colorful roll-and-write game. Um, so... You had me at Roland Wright from Sashi and Sashi. You had me at Newsboys. Remember Newsies? Does anybody else remember that movie? But anyway, what really intrigued me, though, is and what makes this game so incredibly timely in the United States is there is an equal focus, it seems, in the design on actually delivering the papers to all the different um, venues and developing routes and all that. But also, there is a focus on striking to demand higher wages. That's incredibly cool that they brought that a uh, you know a uh, you know a, a power to the workers message into this game you know which is always kind of again does anybody remember Newsies uh, anyway Newsboys I am excited about but not quite as excited I am about Floresta now this is interesting because the designer um, uh, uh, Zemek uh, Wojciak. Anyway, I just, just this week, I mentioned earlier, we finished playing uh, Printing Press, and both Jen and I loved it. And then I saw years ago, he did The Sanctuary, which was a phenomenal worker placement game, and Traintopia was a really cool tile layer as well. So I've never really paid much attention to him before, but I'm going to pay attention now, because he seems to be doing great design after great design, plus I'm really drawn into the environmental activist uh, story. This is about forest management. Management, trying to replant trees that will create a sustainable ecosystem while also making it resistant to forest fires and dealing with forest fire spread. So I expect great things from um, Floresta, even though unfortunately I believe there are no images yet. But hopefully Mebo Games will be getting some of that stuff posted soon. By the way, folks, there's links for every one of these games down in the show notes. Uh, you can go to the uh, what do you call it? The Board Game Geek page like I have. And as you can see, you can subscribe like I have. So as more information comes out about these games, you'll find out about it. Okay, next up, number four, Islebound Emerald Edition. Who knew Ryan Lockett was going to revisit one of his great classics, uh, Islebound, which is a game about um, you know uh, being a privateer in an archipelago, doing pick-up-and-deliver stuff, fighting um, the good fight, uh, conquering territory, doing privateery, piratey-type stuff. And I always thought the original game was very, very good. It's really less of a pick-up-and-deliver, and it's really more of kind of a worker placement game where your pirate ship is your worker, and you, um, you wherever it is, you can move up to two spaces, or you can upgrade your ship, and all kinds of stuff. I covered it many, many, many years ago. I think it's great. I've held on to it all these years. But it might be time to think about upgrading to Emerald Edition. Now, right now... There's 
There's almost no information other than the fact that one of the core resources of the original game, books and knowledge, have been replaced by emeralds. Now, here's the deal, folks. If I had one complaint about um, the original Islebound, I was less than excited about combat being roll to resolve, rolling dice and hoping that it activates your different you know, um, crew and monsters who follow you. I don't see dice rolling anywhere in the description here. Uh, do I? I do not think I do. Um, there is still the combat. Fingers crossed he's come up with something other than dice rolling for combat or a more interesting version of dice rolling, if nothing else. But, you know, Ryan Lockett is a greater designer now than he was seven or eight years ago. So I can't wait to see what he's doing with revisiting uh, one of his all-time greats. Okay, number three um, is Cascadero. And actually, this is kind of a tie. Number three and number two are Cascadero and Cascadito, both from publisher Bitewing Games uh, that really got off to a good start last year with Trailblazers, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. And I hear Zoo Vetus is good too. I haven't seen these other ones. But Cascadero and Cascadito are designed by Reiner Knizia and um, with art from Ian O'Toole. This is proving to be a really, really great combo. Um, one of the great designers and one of the great artists working together. And I read a, spent a little bit of time reading the designer diaries, and this seems like it is the um, the uh, heir apparent, the spiritual sequel to one of Reiner Knizia's all-time greats, Through the Desert. Look at this and tell me it doesn't look like Through the Desert. But it seems like it's got a combo of Through the Desert wonderful route building with really, really cool pieces. I assume those aren't camels. Maybe they are. But over here on the right side of the board, you've got progress tracks that really remind me a lot of Planet Unknown. And so the combo crazy, um, you know, progress track manipulation combined with brilliant um, classic Reiner Knizia, uh, Through the Desert? Yes, please. And then, if it's going to be one of the best-looking games of the year with art from Eno Tool, even more so. And if all that weren't enough, um, you know, at the same time that this is going to be launched on Kickstarter later on, or GameFound or wherever, they're doing two games. Because um, Cascadito is a smaller, bite-sized version of the game that is in roll-and-write form. No pictures. I think there were some pictures. If you uh, go into the forums, you'll find some pictures in the... Uh, you can see I was reading the... What do you call it? the designer diaries. But if you want the big full experience or you want a facile playing bite-sized version of it in a half an hour, Cascadito and Cascadero. I'm going to call them tied for number three and number two. Very, very exciting. And both of these actually, I think, are really screaming up the hotness on Board Game Geek 2. So I'm not alone in being very intrigued by these. But folks, my number one most anticipated game I learned about has to be the Sixth Realm. Why? Because it's one of my favorite hot uh, you know, designers of the moment, Matt Dunstan, teaming up with one of my favorite designers of yesteryear, Seth Jaffe. Uh, you know, the designer of Eminent Domain and Crusaders and stuff like that. We haven't heard from Seth much ever since uh, Tasty Minstrel sadly passed on, where he was a developer and designer. But he is back, teaming up with Matt Dunstan, um, to make a tiling fantasy world exploration game. And there's a lot of stuff here about the setting and whatnot, but what really intrigues me is the promise of the mechanisms, where we are laying tiles, I believe, because it says it's a tile-laying game in the mechanisms, 
as we explore the sixth realm. But the other five realms of this fantasy world define what we can do because every round, one of the realm, one of the, uh, whether it's the Merchant Guild, the Builders Guild, the Adventure Guild, the Navigators Guild, or the Scribe Guild is going to be in charge of our expedition. And that means every round, we're going to have a different set of actions we can do. And I don't know if um, the different guilds or the different realms are ascendant based on player choice or some kind of event, or maybe it's a queue, but I really like this idea of, uh, of tiling, one of my favorite things of all time, driven by a constantly shifting landscape of different uh, actions that we can do from turn to turn. And then to see Seth Jaffe come back. Oh, by the way, did I mention with art by um, the, the Miko, the Micho, uh, and uh, Final Frontier Games? I'm excited about all this stuff because Final Frontier also does amazing productions as well. Sadly, no pictures, no art, no nothing, but you had me at Matt Dunstan and Seth Jaffe, and then uh, constantly shifting actions based on um, you know ascendant and descendant guilds. I'm really stoked for my number one most anticipated game, The Sixth Realm. What are they? Well, in countdown format, number six on the list is The Great Harbor. From, um, you need to be watching for this Italian publisher, Acrona Games. I have been definitely impressed by their stuff. I thought Pest was great. Uh, more recently, I did uh, 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 Philharmonics. I thought that was fantastic, as did Jen. And they've got a bit of information about their next game, about building The Great Harbor uh, of Carthage. And what pulls me in besides uh, Acrona, which are now a developer that I watch because I've been impressed by their stuff so far. Oh, you know, it's Dice Worker Placement. I love me some Dice Worker Placement. Unfortunately, I think there's no images yet other than the very pretty-looking box cover, but, you know, their other games have had really nice production values, but uh, a crunchy, meaty Dice Worker Placement game about building the Great Harbor of Carthage, that sounds... That sounds like catnip to me, and I have, I am optimistic for the Great Harbor. Then, they're not done yet, folks. Uh, they've also got information about another game, building the greatest Roman city in tile placement board game, Magna Roma. And this one looks very, very cool to me. And it does have a bunch of images. And it is all about tiling, trying to match the symbols of your tiles uh, on the corners so that you can unlock different meeples that you can use to spread around the city. And I really like the idea that different tiles have different shapes. I, I can match uh, a circle tile to another circle tile, and that will generate one type of person. But if I match a circle to a triangle, that will produce a different type of person. And so I think this goes a bit above and beyond. Uh, let's see, I think there were some more cool pictures of the game a little bit later on. It was a bit above and beyond the uh, normal tiling of just trying to get the right tiles next to each other, but getting these different um, shape matches to get the types of people I need. And then also using those people to trigger different stuff, like being able to build big monuments all over the place as well to again house those people and whatnot. Again, folks, the publisher is great. I love tiling. I especially love tiling that really kind of comes at it from a different angle. So I am definitely intrigued by Magna Roma, which I've already had in my wish list. I realized I didn't subscribe. I have subscribed to it now as well. Did I subscribe to Great Harbor? I want to make sure because this is how, folks, you keep up with games. You go to board game, you find them, you subscribe to them, and then you just use your notifications and you'll find out new things about them as they come to light. Anyway, though, oh, number four, Spaceship Unity Season 1.2. I 
Love the idea of Spaceship Uni. I never got a chance to play it, but apparently it did well enough that it's getting an expansion, and that's fantastic. What is this game? It is basically a science fiction cooperative. We're trying to make sure our ship makes it and finishes the mission, our spaceship, uh, you know, Star Trek style. But all of the gameplay comes from not moving pieces around on a board, but using your entire home as a spaceship. And it's so of really cool, clever, outside-of-the-box ideas. And um, I've never got a chance to play it. I definitely want to play it. And I hope to get a chance to, especially uh, since it seemed to get enough attention that it's got an expansion coming. So that makes me very, very excited. At some point in my life, I will get a chance to play Spaceship Unity. And heck, maybe it'll be Season 1.2. Alrighty. So, what about number three on the list? Millennia. This is actually a game that's crowdfunding on Kickstarter right now, and it looks fantastic. And I want to mention it for a couple of reasons. One, hardly a week goes by, almost hardly a day goes by, that I don't see people um, in the board game sphere complaining endlessly about, ah, all board games are now are endless, big, bloated monstrosity, 300 plus dollar things that are incomplete and half-baked and blah, blah, blah. And I keep saying... That's wrong! That's a very, very tiny, tiny minority of the games that run on Kickstarter. Millennia represents what the vast majority of games are that you can get excited and back, and I'm excited for this. This is a civilization-building game that you can get for like 30 bucks. That's it! That's what you see if you look beyond the headlines and beyond the hype. There's so many cool games. But anyway, I'm excited for this one um, because it, well, I mean, because it's on Kickstarter. So there are several different videos about it. And, um, oh, right, right. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm particularly interested because once you play a card to your civilization, it's going to give you some type of power, but only for a certain amount of time. Because, like um, you know, true technological breakthroughs, over time they get obsolete and get replaced with other things. So I love this kind of idea of an engine building game that goes in fits and spurts. Oh, I got these things, but sooner or later they're going to break down and I need to be setting up my next generation of things that I can leverage. That all sounds very, very cool. It seems like it also has a very Care Bear-friendly approach to warfare, very similar to um, the original Seven Wonders, which I'm very excited about as well. So I am loving Millennia, um, and I cannot wait to learn more about it. That was number three. Now, number two is an odd one, The Way to Juliet. When I first read about the description of this, this is a two-player cooperative game where we are not Romeo and Juliet. We are the other characters from the play trying to help ensure that the two of them can have their fated meeting at the uh, balcony. And so Romeo is trying to get through a maze of the, uh, the guards. What is it? Capulet? Romeo is Montague? No, Romeo Capulet? Romeo Montague? I don't remember. Anyway, uh, he's trying to get through the guards. One player knows where the guards are. One player knows how Romeo can move. And the two players have to work together. One person trying to advise Romeo, um, moving blind, trusting that the other player will get the guards out of the way uh, by sliding them around. It's kind of a sliding puzzle kind of thing to try to get over to Juliet before time runs out. And I think that sounds fantastic. I'm really, really intrigued by this. I love imperfect communication co-ops. I think this sounds like a really charming little game. Plus, the art style is charming too because, oh, they're all little doggies. They're anthropomorphized dogs. So that's nice. The other 
other thing that I thought was really fascinating about this game has to do with the democratization of game development that I love we're seeing. Because a lot of people are now just making their designs and putting them out as print and plays, especially rolling rights. But some people, like uh, Vasily uh, Runitsky, he put his game on Tabletopia. And everything, if what I just talked about sounds interesting to you folks, you could be playing this right now for free on Tabletopia. Um, because all you gotta do is just uh, create an account if you haven't already and fire it up and uh, get somebody else on another computer and the two of you can play this game. And I look forward to playing this with Jen for free right now. And I think more folks should be using tools like this so they can get their game up and at them so that you could then demo it for publishers and get them involved because I think this game sounds really, really cool. And I am definitely looking forward to uh, giving it a go. My uh, number two, The Way to Juliet. And I'll put the link down in the show notes for the actual Tabletopia page so you could try it out for yourself right now and let me know in the comments what you think of the game. Alrighty, folks, but there's a number one. There can be only one, and my most anticipated new game I learned about is Port Royal the Dice Game. Push your luck in this new spinoff from the popular game Port Royal. And yeah, a new Alexander Fister game? Of course I'm there, folks. I'm very, very intrigued by this. Although, I have to admit, at first I assumed, well, Port Royal was already a push-your-luck card game. It's just, it's just going to replace cards or dice with cards, and I kind of know what this is going to be. Am I really that excited? But then I looked at the back of the, unfortunately, only in German box and said, this looks nothing like Port Royal. There's a map of the Caribbean now, and looks like we're pushing luck in a completely different way. And I suspect probably it looks like it's a roll and write as well. So Port Royal, the roll and write. I can't say for sure because I'm not going to spend the time trying to dig back into the recesses of my um, high school level German to read the back of this box. But again, it's an Alexander Pfister game doing a roll and write on one of his most beloved smaller games makes me very, very excited for my number one most anticipated game I discovered this week, Port Royal the Dice Game. And that's it, folks. Let's get going with the countdown, starting with a number five, Archaeology, or Archaeology, Archaeologic! Archaeologic! Oh, that's a tough one to say. Um, now, I have to admit, when I first looked at this, I saw, oh, a deduction game. Jen and I were kind of over deduction. We're just not that into it anymore. And so I moved on. But then, um, last week, I filmed uh, designer Johan Levitt's Humanity. And I thought it was so great. I was wondering, what has Johan Levitt been up to? Ever? He did Mirmies a million years ago. He did Turing Machine more recently. What's he been up to now? Well, um, Humanity is phenomenal. But I suddenly got very excited about Archaeologic, which, again, is a deduction game about, you know, uh, trying to lay down polyomino tiles and figure out in secret using deduction where all the treasures are and all that. But the thing is, this game comes with a really cool spinny gadget. And remember, Yohan Levitt is one of the people behind... Um, Oh, shoot. I've just forgotten the name of it now. Oh, Turing Machine, which is one of the most brilliant, uh, you know, clockwork puzzle mechanisms turned into a puzzle-generating machine. The industry... No, not one of the greatest one the industry's ever seen. And he's made another one now. Uh, and he's built an entire game design around it. So, yeah. Uh, while Jen and I are not that much into deduction anymore, 
I'll give this one a try. Archaeologic, because of the designer, Johan Levitt, seems to be on a massive comeback tour. So I definitely want to check this one out from Ludonaut. That's number five. Then we've got number four, Restart. Um, free Totem uh, Game Studio. I don't really know them or the designers, Vangelis, uh, Ethemisiu, and Antonius Yiannopoulos. I don't think so. Uh, those are Greek names, aren't they? Have those designers done other stuff? Oh, Age of Rome. I did not. I did not play that. So they've done Age of Rome, which I know was very, very successful on Kickstarter, but I haven't seen that. But why am I interested about this? Because I love games about time travel, and this one has a few key things that I think are very interesting. You have in your hand multi-use cards, and on your turn uh, during the meditation phase, you are either going to play those cards to your mind board because traveling through time is fracturing your brain. And you need to kind of get yourself centered and under control. So you can use the events to try to um, find calm in the storm, I guess, uh, which actually uh, functionally gives you access to different actions. So you can use these cards to get different special actions. Or more importantly, you can play these cards out to a grid of cards on the table that represents the timeline. And you're playing them to overwrite historical events with other historical events. I love multi-use cards. I love time travel. So I'm really interested to see how these things come together. Plus, not for nothing, the cards look really great, although uh, it is, I mean, there's no actual gameplay, just pictures of the art, but it looks very, very nice. One other thing that really intrigued me about this game is, of course, you are changing time and you're changing the future, and that affects everybody. But after the game is over, this is a really fun twist. Whatever state the world, the future is in, you can say, oh, you know what? Next time we play, we're going to pick up from there. We're going to say, oh, well, you know, we need to create the robot apocalypse. All right, next time we play, let's start with the world in the state of a robot apocalypse and see how we can change time and maybe we'll end up in a perfect utopia and we can keep playing until we create utopia. That's cool. That's a fun idea, taking it to the next level with number four on the list, Restart. Okay, then let's talk about number three on the list, Pharmacology from George Jaros, GJJ Games. This game, man, as I was reading the uh, description for it, it blew my mind. It is a dice drafting roll and write game, but uh, you know, let's talk about what's in the description. Drafted dice can be used to power locations to generate workers, medical supplies, resources, money. Uh, can be used uh, to power other locations to research drugs and vaccines so you can treat diseases to earn points. Outreach programs provide abilities to further increase your um, potential. Oh man, where was the list of all the stuff you do in this? Oh, here's where it is. So you're using dice specifically to collect samples, um, use and upgrade locations, hire medical technicians, doctors, scientists, develop drugs, vaccines, gain benefits through outreach programs, treat diseases, uh, increase the size of your workforce, boost your score by specializing certain disease classifications, quarantine diseases for easier research, and use profits to buy medical supplies, dice rerolls, additional resources, and more. And more! Jeez Louise! I have to admit, I am interested in the subject matter of making life-saving drugs, but also making an economic engine out of it, too. This looks like it's got to be one of the bigger, heavier rolling rights that we are ever going to see. There is so much going on, and the way the draft works sounds very, very neat, too. Um, But... The other thing that really um, uh, jumps out at me about it is this was just a little independently developed game, and originally he did it as a print and play, and he's now got it available on Game Crafter. Game Crafter games cost a high because they're print on demand, so it's not cheap to get this. But man, I hope people, I hope the industry, somebody in the industry who watches this show, go check out this game, buy a copy of it from Game Crafter because I want to play this game. It sounds phenomenal, and I think it's 
it deserves a lot of day, especially because it won the 2017 Manhattan Project Dice Game, um, which was put on back in the day by Minion Games. Um, James Matthey, one of the greatest people board gaming has ever had, and we sadly lost him a few years ago. James Matthey loved the game, was a huge proponent of it, and um, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if this game would have already been put in print if, sadly, James Matthey had not passed on. Board game industry. Rollin' rights are a big deal. Super heavy rollin' rights are a big deal. Rollin' rights with really cool, fresh themes that we haven't seen a lot of are a big deal. Somebody needs to check out my number two, Pharmacology. Or, I'm sorry, no, that was my number three. My number three. My number two is another rollin' right, much lighter this time, Silver and Gold Pyramid from Phil Walker Harding. Now, Silver and Gold, he did a few a couple of years ago, and it was pretty well received, uh, particularly because it was a roll and write where we were doing bingo style, or it's not flipping Phil, right? We're drawing cards, not rolling dice. But, um, you know, the, the cards that come up say how we actually mark stuff on the cards themselves, which I admit we've seen other games do it, but that was just a lot of fun drawing on my cards, knowing I could erase them all at the end. The problem was the original silver and gold had a couple of really, in my opinion, horrible design decisions that kind of ruined it for me and Jen. You know, throwing in a memory element and the way turn order was resolved was really needlessly complicated. So anyway, he's coming back with a sequel, and I am hoping, hoping, hoping that they have gotten rid of the memory element of the game, so you don't have to remember what's been played and what hasn't been played, and that they come up with a new way. I mean, I'm, I'm excited, because again, Silver and Gold was fantastic. With a couple of tweaks, it could have been one of the all-time greats, a goat, and maybe uh, the sequel, Silver and Gold Pyramids, will be it. And folks, one more game, my number one, um, and this one's kind of a cheat. It's really kind of half an entry. It's Jump Drive Terminal Velocity. Now, this has already come out a while ago. Uh, it's a wonderful expansion for one of the greatest modern card games of all time, Jump Drive, and it just adds a lot more stuff. I've already talked about this in a previous roundup, and the existence of this um, expansion, Terminal Velocity, already had taken Jump Drive out of my top 60 games of all time and pushed it into my top 30 with its addition of you know objectives and uh, you know extra tiles and all kinds of fun stuff, you know, including a really cool campaign solo experience if you wanted to try that out. Here's why I'm talking about it today, even though you know I've already talked about it months ago. I stumbled across in the forums designer Tom Lehman putting out his draft rules to turn this into a cooperative game. And here they are, right here. I cannot wait to try this. Because the last time Tom did this, he turned Dice Realms into a co-op slash solo game, and it was phenomenal. And it so improved the game. And so now, for the first time, uh, Jump Drive, with the expansion Terminal Velocity, will be playable as a co-op. And I am there for it. Uh, this, I suspect, is going to take uh, Jump Drive out of my top 30 and put it into my top 20 best games of all time. And I I just wanted to spread the news. If, like me, you are a Jump Drive or a Tom Lehman or a Race for the Galaxy Universe devotee, then folks, Jump Drive just went co-op. And that is awesome. And that's it, folks! It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
let's take a look, uh, starting with uh, one of several games from publisher Devere. Devere, man, they are on a stra- uh, you know, a, a I was going to say catastrophic, but st- a stratospheric, a stratospheric rise. Uh, Red Cathedral um, and uh, you know the White Castle. Bamboo looks really, really cool too. And I've got, I think they just uh, put into Board Game Geek like over a half a dozen new games that are coming for them uh, next year. And they put bo- box art and whatnot. And um, of all the ones they did, here's the ones that I really wanted. Um, starting with uh, Daitoshi. I'm excited about this because it's from designer Danny Garcia. And after Danny worked on, um, oh, what do you call it? Barcelona and um, Arbor Arborium, Danny is a designer to watch. And this game is set kind of in a, um, you know, era of industry, but, you know, kind of quasi steampunk world because you're working on the great machine and all that. But it's really focused on, you know, trying to use steam to get more electricity into more houses, but also dealing with the environmental devastation that can be brought about by the Industrial Revolution. Something that we did not do enough in our real world, but in this world, because uh, they, it talks about how there are uh, you know, forest spirits that we have to pay attention to, we are actually trying to reforest as we go. A timeless message for today, you know, set into what could have been in our, um, you know, our own society's past. I'm and plus again, Arbor Arborium and uh, oh, his other one, uh, Barcelona, were amazing. So I can't wait to see his third game, Daitoshi from Devere. Then we've got Cities, uh, which is such an amazing team up between Phil Walker Harding, the busiest man in board gaming. And Steve Finn, the king of the filler. These two guys working together are making, it looks like, a tile-laying game all about city building. There's not much information, unfortunately, but you had me at a team-up between Steve Finn and Phil Walker Harding. Uh, One thing that's interesting, though, the description talks about how there's like eight different cities around the world, which, you know, there's not much detail, but it sounds like, oh, maybe there's eight different setups, whether you're making Tokyo or London or, you know, wherever it might be. I am definitely keen to check this out though cities then there is salt and sea from new designer uh david uh, bernal I'm very interested in this because just the subject of the salt and sea is fascinating to me for those who don't know the salt and sea was an artificial lake created by accident you know uh, back at the turn of the 19th century and over the decades, it became a uh, wealthy resort town for rich people to leave Los Angeles and have fun out in the desert. But because it was created by accident, eventually the lake dried up. The industry, the tourist industry went away and it became really just kind of a toxic, sad, barren wasteland. But in recent years, we have discovered it's also a potential huge source for lithium. And in case you don't know, lithium is basically uh, w- one of the major keys to our green future. So, in the real world, there is now a race of investment for people trying to, um, you know, turn, uh, you know, a, build a new industry out in the Salton Sea, mining for lithium to basically make all the batteries that can help um, sustainable energy flourish for a better future for humanity. And uh, I am really, really interested in this subject matter because it is so interesting and so timely. Again, very little information here, but really, really fascinating subject matter. Again, coming. 
coming from Devere, so you know it's all but guaranteed to be great. Because, man, whoever is working internally at Devere to make sure their designs are well-chosen and solid, they're do- they need a raise, quite frankly. But Devere is not done yet. We've got Rock Hard 1977. Uh, this is fascinating to me. <clears throat> it is a game about being an up-and-coming rock musician, you know, uh, putting on tours and um, you know, recording in the studio, writing songs, promotion, all of that stuff. Uh, but what really makes it interesting is it's designed by Jackie Fox, who is one of the members of the '70s band The Runaways. Uh, you know, the band, uh, you know, uh, was it Cherry Bomb? You may have heard that song. That's The Runaways. You know, and uh, The Runaways, you know, spawned you know um, Joan Jett's career and Lita Ford. Um, sadly, Jackie left the rock and roll industry under hugely tragic circumstances, but she never let it define her life. I think it's amazing. I had no idea. She became a four-time Jeopardy! champion, uh, became a game designer, uh, the uh, Adventure Trilogy, the Adventures of Chubby Slugs. So she's gone on to have a a rich, meaningful life outside the industry, but now she's like reclaiming it, coming back and making her first board game design. And who better to make a board game design about the life of you know hard rock and roll than someone who lived it in the 70s. Uh, rock Hard 1977 is very, very intriguing to me because of that. Okay. And then, oh, last, uh, Sand was really interesting as well. Now, after I put this at the bottom of my enthusiasm list for these DeVere games because uh, it's a pick-up-and-deliver game, right? And that's one of my least favorite experiences or you know, genres. But occasionally, pick-up-and-deliver games can surprise me. And uh, this one certainly looks cool. I mean, all there is is the box art. The box art looks really, really neat. And uh, it's uh, set on a Dune-esque planet, where instead of giant worms, we have giant caterpillars that we are using to basically pick up goods and deliver them from one outpost to another. The thing that really draws me in, aside from the art and the really, really cool you know, quasi sci-fi fantasy setting is the fact that the uh, description talks about how you have to care for your caterpillar and it glow grows in power and strength over the course of the game. So while I don't care for pick up and deliver, I do care for games where I uh, you know, I'm responsible for the health and well-being of a living creature. We see that very, very rarely in games, and maybe Sand will find a new way to get me excited about Pick Up and Deliver. So like I said, folks, and there were a few other games that I put on my wish list, but further down, because they look more like kids' games and whatnot, but again, Devere looks like they are going to have an amazing next year. But I'm not done yet, folks. Uh, I also discovered Graffiti is coming from Queen Games, and this, Board Game Geek says this re-implements Fresco. It it does not. I have looked at this game. I have read the rules because I'm probably going to be covering it when it starts crowdfunding. Um, it is from one of the designers of Fresco, and I would actually call it more of like a spiritual sequel because instead of set in Renaissance era and you're a Leonardo-esque uh, painter trying to do the Sistine Chapel esque type location. We are modern day graffiti artists trying um, with the city's permission. I think that's really, really cool. We are not, you know, outlaws or anything like that. We, uh, one of the big things of this game is as graffiti artists, we have to invest in all our paint. We have to manage our resources and because paint is expensive, we have to get permits from the city to work on these big epic um, graffiti murals in this tunnel. Um, And so it's a worker placement game. 
that uh, borrows some of the ideas from Fresco, but it takes out the, uh, what do you call it, the simultaneous worker action. So it's really its own thing. It's not, uh, you know, it, it, like I said, it's a se- spiritual sequel to Fresco. It is not Fresco uh, re-implemented. Uh, I disagree with Board Game Geek on that. But I'm still really interested because of the focus on, hey, um, you know, the, the day-to-day logistics of being a graffiti artist are here as much as the art. Plus, as you do more and more with graffiti, these murals start, um, you know, growing. You flip tiles and they become really, really gorgeous. And there can still be some of that rebel outlaw feel to it because one of your actions is, you know, in addition to the permitted work you're doing, you can put your own tag on different areas, which will unlock bonuses for you, and it will also contribute to an area majority bonus uh, game as mini game that's going on as well. So I am definitely very intrigued. I cannot wait to check out Graffiti, the spiritual successor from one of the designers of Fresco. Okay, then we've got, oh, Time Division. This is one of the games I discovered, which I totally Totally ignored up till now when I was doing my deep dive in the Ramble I mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, this is a two-player only game um, from Heidelbar Games. Uh, Alexander uh, Schreiber. Here's the deal, folks. Uh, this is a game where we very quickly draft some time travel cards. Um, you know, and then we've got cards in our hands, and each player of the two players is simultaneously going to pick one card to play. Both cards get revealed, and one of the two players is responsible for deciding which one of the cards um, that everybody benefits from in terms of the action it does, and which one of the cards everybody benefits from in terms, or you know, one player benefits from in terms of the event, uh, influence it's spreads. So you and I, even though we're competing to, you know, across time um, with this time travel uh, card game, um, I'm playing cards that you might choose or you might choose your own that you played over mine. And that just keeps, uh, you know, uh, going back and forth. We both pick a card, but then one player chooses how both of those cards are resolved. That's a really cool idea. And I would very much look forward to Time Division for that reason. And the last one, folks, we're almost done, is another one I discovered during the ramble. Roll for the Great Old Ones, a roll and write game. I have to admit, you know, Cthulhu is not a uh, subject matter that pulls me in. It doesn't turn me off, but it's just, you know, I could take it or leave it. But it seems like there's been an explosion recently. We've had some of them on the channel where, oh, it's all about the nihilistic view that, yeah, our world sucks, so let's just play a game where we're cultists trying to bring about the end of the world and, you know, bring... And I'm like, come on, can we be a little bit more optimistic? Can we be a little bit more bright? Can we go back to fighting Cthulhu monsters rather than embracing them? And that's what Roll for the Great Old Ones does because it is a cooperative game where you're trying to you know, stop the uh, Ancient Ones as we should be trying to do. And it's a roll and write. And here's the deal, folks. I've been begging the industry for cooperative roll and writes. We've got so few of them and everyone I've played has been so engaging. So I'm looking forward to another one, especially one that looks as big and crunchy and spreadsheety is this one. Uh, you don't expect all this kind of stuff with the Cthulhu thing. But then the other thing um, that was really, really intriguing is um, it is a roll and write. So we're rolling dice. Each player is going to grab some of the dice from the pool. That determines you know what we're going to be able to do each round as we fight the uh, old ones. But the dice we don't pick, those are the ones that Cthulhu will take. So we're having tough choices of, hey, what do I want to do? What do you want to do? And what are we going to leave behind that means the bad guy will get to do this? Now, I think this is a brilliant system for dice-driven cooperative play. How do I know that? Let's just say I have some personal experience in this arena. Um, you may have heard over the years that I've been dabbling a little bit in game design on a certain uh, uh, you know, fantasy Pirates of the Caribbean style game. Well, um, 
That's kind of the basis. I, I can speak from personal experience. This is a great way to do cooperative gameplay driven by uh, dice because I've been working on this myself. So I'm very, very excited to see another game do this, uh, which is why I'm very, very excited for Roll for the Great Old Ones, a roll and write game. Okay, folks, and that's it. Four different excerpts done and dusted. Now, I have to admit, originally, I planned on doing this bi-weekly every other week, but I'm really thinking, you know, every four weeks, once a month is probably the way to go with this. So, it's just another new show that appears every month, and you get to hear about all the coolest, latest games that um, are coming... Probably not for quite a while, but uh, that I mean, heck, if you're like me, you'll want to subscribe to him on Board Game Geek so you can be kept appraised as more information comes to light. Anyway, hopefully you enjoyed it, and uh, thank you very much, as always, for listening, folks. Have a very nice day. Talk to you later. So long. Oh, bye bye.